Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential Podcast for Thanksgiving. We are one day away from Black Friday and Texas's regular season finale against Texas Tech. We're also exactly 51 years removed from Bill Bradley's four-interception game against Texas A&M. That performance in a 35-14 to win over the Aggies is still a school record. Texas and Texas A&M used to play in football? Yeah, like usually every year around Thanksgiving. It was kind of a tradition. They should bring that back. Rivalry or something? I don't know. Uh, That'd be cool. I'm I'm too I'm too young to remember uh, that. Be like Texas Florida versus game. Florida State. That'd be pretty cool. Montana versus Montana State. But I'm not talking about the game. Anyway, I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello. Hello, everybody. All right, Mike. We're going to start off with um, running back news. Um, Jake Anderson, friend of the podcast of ArizonaSports.com, wrote a little uh, freelance piece for us this weekend. He caught up with Bajan Robinson. The story ran on Monday, I believe. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, you know. Kind of caught up with Bajan, got his thoughts about signing with Texas, five-star running back from Arizona, 2,000-yard runner in each of the last three seasons. Fine prospect. A lot of Texas fans are wondering if he's going to end up on campus. Let's just start there. Do you think he ends up on Tex- at Texas? And Stan Drayton, is his uh, status with the team, is that kind of what this comes down to? See, that's, that's where this gets tricky. And with this early signing period, things are, are so weird with coaching changes and you know, for a lot of schools, it's if their coaches are going to get poached. And for Texas, we're wondering kind of who, not if, Tom Herman is going to get rid of a couple of guys probably. So kind of who, at what positions those are going to be. And so if it's running back, then Texas loses out on Bajon Robinson. I, I don't know if it's 100% guaranteed he signs if Stan Drayton stays, but it sounds like he's not if Stan Drayton goes. And so... If you look at the running back position, they've signed Jordan Whittington. They've signed Darian Brown. Both of those guys didn't get to play this year. Stan Drayton's done a great job with Rashawn Johnson, moving him from from quarterback to running back in such a quick time. So with Bajon Robinson committed, I think that helps Stan Drayton's case for sure. Uh, And Bajon Robinson, arguably, maybe not even arguably, is the most important member of this 2020 recruiting class because he probably has the most instant impact in the 2020 season on paper. All right, let's assume Bajan gets to campus. Mm-hmm. Stan Drayton stays. Bajan signs on the dotted line. What kind of running back is he? Is he a compliment to Keontae Ingram? Do they do the exact same thing? I mean, what they do different things. What kind of running back is he? Bajan's a beast. Like, he is a legit six-foot, 210, 220-pound 
running back. He's what Keontae Ingram should look like as a finished product in terms of size in the weight room. He's what the Longhorns want uh, Keontae Ingram to be, and that's why he's a five-star compared to Ingram being a four-star. The five-star part means that he's pretty much got all that stuff down. I mean, he's, he's big, he's physical, he's fast. Now it just comes down to if he can handle the wear and tear of a, of a college uh, program, and I'd imagine he's he's not coming here to be a backup. Uh-huh. So he's going to expect you know 10 to 15 carries a year, and the Longhorns' offense isn't one that's ever going to just give 28 carries to a running back, and I think he understands that. And I don't think college running backs want that heavy of a workload, so I, I think he comes in thinking he's going to be kind of you know at least one or one B. And share those those running those snaps with with Ingram, and then Whittington kind of gets kind of some specialty snaps, and maybe goes back to slot receiver. Yeah, that's my my question. Once again, assuming Bajan Robinson gets to campus, Keontae will be a you know third year junior, um, established guy in that backfield. What does that mean for Roshan Johnson, who started this season off as a quarterback? What does that mean from Jordan Whittington, who a lot of people thought may contend for playing time in the slot when he originally signed, but you know moved to the backfield and you had some rave reviews during during the spring. Do those guys stay in the mix at running back? Do they return to their natural positions? Should they return to their natural positions? Or should they, you know, give Texas some depth in the backfield? Because that's definitely been a problem this year. Yeah, like, we, well, like we've seen, just because Bajon Robinson gets on campus doesn't mean all the woes are gone at running back. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a physical position. It's a tough position to stay healthy, even in practice, much less in games. So you need multiple guys there. So I think you're too... You know, in theory, would be Robinson, Ingram, or kind of ha- handling the workload with Whittington kind of being an all-purpose guy where you use him in two-back sets, use him in slot, use him on third downs. You know, if he get you get some big carries early, maybe you ride the hot hand there. With Rashawn, it's interesting, and I think it comes down to him. If he wants to move back to quarterback, I believe this staff will allow him to do so, uh, at least for a year to kind of see how that goes why Sam is a senior and they could use his red shirt that they were going to use this year next year. But he's been so good at running back and he's looked so natural at it doing a lot of the stuff that isn't really coachable. It's just kind of feel. It's hard for me to imagine if you're thinking of the NFL and kind of your long-term potential. If you're Rashawn, I don't know if it's that quarterback and he may think about staying at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Young may be an option. He'll be a senior next year. Um, you know, all signs point to him coming back, but you know he may want to you know go somewhere else for his senior year. We'll have to tune in there. But you know the more depth, the better, because that has definitely been a problem at times for this uh, Texas team. So stay tuned. Uh, as we said, you know go check out Jake's story on Hookem.com since he did write for that that for us on Monday. Kind of gave you a little bit of a breather this week, but you're didn't still didn't still have to write pretty, on Sunday, baby. Still a pretty busy guy. Uh, you know, let's kind of go around the 40 acres, recap some of the stuff you wrote for. Uh, Hookem.com. You know, this is still, you know, high school playoff season. And it's one of my favorite. This week it was always one of my favorite weeks when I was on the beat. It was the Thanksgiving practice week. Yeah. It was the, you know, kids who, you know, they went to practice in the morning with their team, got to go home for Thanksgiving dinner. Couldn't eat too much because they had to be back uh, running around the football field the next the next morning. But you know, there's eight Texas commits still alive in the Texas uh, high school football playoffs. What What should people be looking out for this week? Yeah, I always had coaches tell us before the season our two goals were to win the district championship and to practice on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything after that was a bonus. You know, I didn't go to like a South Lake Carroll or something, so maybe it's different at Highland Park or whatever, but uh, that was always the goal. So, yeah, it's always cool uh, to watch this round. 
it's mostly DFW heavy in terms of Texas commits left. You have two 2021 kids at Denton Ryan. Uh, that's a state championship contender in 5A. You have Prince Dorba at Highland Park. That's always a championship contender in 5A. And then at the 6A level, Southlake Carroll looks really good, and that's Andre Karich, the the offensive tackle that's kind of like flown under the radar in terms of guys we talk about. But after seeing him for a second time, he's he's really good if he can keep adding weight. Uh, and then, of course, Duncanville is probably the safest bet to reach a state championship with Jaquindon Jackson at quarterback. Now, we have him listed as an athlete, and we're not sure if he's going to play quarterback. But if you have not seen Jaquindon Jackson play quarterback in high school, and you enjoy dominance, and you're in the DFW area at AT&T on Friday at, I believe, noon, the show will happen. He's only played three second halves this season. But he is... I don't know if he's... He's going to stay in the top five of my Fab 55, and the reason why... And he's he's no he's not in the top five of anyone else's, and it's because we don't know what position he's going to play. But I've yet to watch a high school game in three years of him playing quarterback that he wasn't the best player on the field. And that included Galena Park North Shore in the loss last year in the state championship game. So he's just he's one of those dudes that like in 10, 15 years we're going to be talking about as one of the most dominant guys in, in high school football. He's, he's, a, he's a pleasure to watch. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you know, let's head outside the state. Let's go head on over to Utah. Uh, Van Fillinger. Did I get that right? Yep. All right. Uh, he's a Utah State champion. Uh, 6A. Future uh, defensive lineman for the Longhorns, assuming he ends up signing. Uh, how was his season? And, you know, how much stock do we take into a Utah State champion? You know, as Texans, we're kind of snooty about yep. you know, high school football. But state champs to state champ. And what should we think about Van's season? Well, I mean, it, it obviously it's pretty good in a state championship. And they won 5A last year. So they moved up a classification this year. Uh, they're you know, district realignments or whatever are different than ours. Uh-huh. So this year they moved up to 6A. And kind of when I went there for that first week of the year, they were all kind of talking about that. Like when I was hanging out in the locker room, just kind of with the coaches and stuff, they were talking about the team. They're like, oh, they don't think we're going to win it at 6A. And I actually got to see them play the second-ranked team in the state that first week of the year, and they won pretty handily. Van's a beast, man. If he played in Texas, I, I he reminds me a lot of Tavondre Sweat. I don't know if he's going to get to 320, but he's one of those dudes that you look at and you're like, how is he a three-star? I mean, if he played you know, in a state where we had a bunch of recruiting writers, he'd probably be at least a four-star. Uh-huh. So I, I kind of say Malcolm Roach is probably his prototype. I'm going to be a big-bodied defensive end that chose Texas because he doesn't want to grow into a defensive tackle. So that's a you know an example of the odd man front winning for Texas in a recruiting battle when we always kind of talk about the opposite. Um, I believe he is an Army All American as well. Yes. And what, what odds would you place on him ending up at Texas? Do you think that's? Yeah, I mean, you know, out of state guys, anything's in play there. I know he grew up a Michigan fan. Oregon uh, was always up there, but again, Oregon wants him to play defensive tackle, so. Unless something changes with our Oscar Giles and the system that's ran at, at Texas before he signs, I would imagine he's a Longhorn. Uh, top ten, you know, the thing that's all the rage uh, these days, or it's been the rage for a little bit, is you know, top ten, top yeah, five. Yeah, it's, it's top, no longer the hat stare top, ceremony. Top twenty, uh, you know, edits and all that stuff on social media. And one came out this week from Quay Davis, who had Texas in his top ten. Thing is, Quay Davis used to be a Texas commit. He yep. committed a few weeks ago. 
Um, what does this mean? Is Texas still in it? Is that just the obligatory, well, I was committed to these guys, so I should say that I'm still uh, considering them? Or should Texas fans be thinking that Quay may have had a change of heart, the receiver from Dallas Skyline? I think it's more likely he ends up somewhere else than Texas, but the Longhorns are definitely still in it. You know, he he committed early. You know, he's really close with the Samples family up in Dallas. Rashad Samples, who was here now at SMU, played at Dallas Skyline at, at the same high school. Um, so, you know, kind of a mentor, kind of an older brother type figure for Quay. And so I think when Rashad left to go to SMU, it kind of pumped the brakes on his recruitment. And it was like, okay, this may not be, you know, where I want to be, or at least I need to look at some other spots. So I think this is a thing that a lot of these young kids should do. I don't like the new early commitment stuff. It's just, you remember being 16, 17 years old. I mean, it's hard to pick anything two years in advance, you know? And so, you know, enjoy the process, have some fun. And if that school that you want is, is the one that you want in a year from now, it's going to be there for these top guys. So I would, I just think they all need to kind of pump the brakes and we're going to start seeing a lot more of these decommitments. I mean, Landon Watson from Hutto just decommitted from LSU Uh as a junior. So, when you commit before your junior year, I mean, you don't even know how to drive yet, usually. You know, you just have so much in front of you that things can change so fast. Time for our recruiting interview. Uh, each week you get a chance to chat with a recruit or a commit or you know, someone who is at least on the Texas radar. This guy is very much on the Texas radar, Prince Dorba, the linebacker from Highland Park, who you mentioned earlier in this podcast. He pledged to Texas back in July. You featured him in your dotted line column on Tuesday on Hook'em.com, so check that out. So let's hear what Prince had to say. Here with Prince Dorba of Highland Park, I guess uh, for you, the defensive effort in the first half to the second half, what changed as a unit? Uh, you know, it was just playing, just playing football, honestly. That was pretty bottom line. You know, we just we didn't come out and play football the first half, and uh, it showed because they went back-to-back drive with scores. And then after that, we kind of just said, all right, we can't let this happen. And just put, uh, stuck our head up and just went out there and play football and play fast. Uh, you guys clearly have a lot of playoff experience. How much does it get turned up at uh, Highland Park when the playoffs kind of start? Uh, you know, we... As a team, you know, we live for these moments, you know. Every team wants to have a chance to play an 18th team. For us to get a chance to do it early, you know, it's a great experience. But, you know, we got bigger dreams, and um, we just we just live for this experience, and we just want to go out there and ball. That's it. The last few years, you've been kind of stationary as far as where you line up. It looked like tonight they were moving you all around out there. What's that kind of done for your development? I mean, it helps me a lot, you know, just uh, play fast, you know, and not have to worry about anything or worry about teams trying to game plan against me because I, you know, I just know that I'm going to go out there and do what I got to do to help my team win. What's the status on the, the commitment? You know, we're only a month out. There's a lot of talk out there. I guess what's your official statement on everything? I'm going to be committed no matter what happens to say. That's it. It's, it's already over with. Right now, my mind's on winning the state championship and then getting ready to go out there next year. What did Texas do to make you so comfortable with, with them? I mean, they show love. Like, no other school day, you know. They were the one school that stuck through my whole process with me no matter what happened. You know, they were just always there, always trying to come in contact, you know. And it's seeing how I'm doing, not just as a football player, but seeing how my 
my family was and always just being around. That's one thing that I wanted to be involved in. They were a big defensive school, and that's why I wanted to go there. As a recruit, how important are those personal relationships? I know the fans kind of look at win-loss records, but for you, how important was uh, you know just knowing the coaches and the staff and that kind of thing? And that's a big thing because you know I don't want to go in there and not go play for a coach that I don't know or don't like. So you know me, I just you know for any school, I just want to know who the coaches was and how my relationship with them be affected. So you know Texas did a great job recruiting me all year, all since my sophomore year. Since they offered me, they did a great job. They did not let up. They kept on me. You know sometimes it got annoying, but hey, if they wanted to get me and they did what they had to do to get me, and I, I give props to them. What advice would you give to younger guys now going through the recruiting process? Man, what's one thing I did not do was enjoy, you know. Just don't put too much trust in yourself and just enjoy it. Take, go visit all the places you want to visit, you know. Because, hey, there's a lot of great schools out there. It's just which one fits you the best. Because every place is going to have the best facilities, best players, the best coaches. It's just where you fit the best. Last question for me is, um, you know, have you guys as a class kind of talked all the struggles going on about the stability of staying together and things like that? Oh, yeah. We, we, we got that sorted out first first thing before before Texas OU. That was the first thing we did, you know. Some kids started decommitting. We just told them straight up, man, if you want to be here, leave right now because you're trying to go build something special. And right now, that's where our mind. We're still trying to go build something special. How important is Dallas and just this area uh, to you and to kind of bring in some of those guys with you to Texas? I mean, you know, this is my home, you know. All, all my life, since I've came over here, I've been in Dallas my whole life, you know. So, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else but the state of Texas and there's a lot of great athletes out there in the state of Texas, and I think they, they should stay home because we got the best athletes, and there's no place for us, no other place than staying home and play for University of Texas. So. Mike, it seemed like Prince knew uh, that you and uh, Mr. Mike Roach were coming, knew, knew that Texas question was coming. And yeah, he, a smile he on it, his face kind of He had an answer, answer ready. Uh, he, t- he mentioned a little bit in the conversation about you know the recruits talking to each other, and it seems like you know the people that are committed in class d- are also doing as much recruiting as the uh, you know coaches are, yes. you know, how much do they talk to each other? How much are they trying to, p- to police each other? How much are they actually doing the dirty work of the? Hey, are you in? Are you out? You know the coaches can get annoying. You know they're adults who are texting teenagers all the time. You're getting it from you know the recruiting guys, the assistant coaches, occasionally the head coaches, and this is from 10, 15 schools. So I think what carries the most weight with these young men are the opinions of other young men of our peer group. And that stays true for our entire lives. We always look towards our peer groups and the people we respect the most to rely on. And it's a very unique situation that all of these kids are in facing. Recruiting at the highest level is is unique. Whether you think these kids complain about it too much or not, it is a difficult, unique process for a high school kid to be going through. So they do lean on each other. And there's group texts and there's you know Slack and all the social media that exists now, it's really easy for Prince Dorba and Highland Park to holler at Commitment Y from, from Houston North Shore or something like that. It, it doesn't take much. And so I know for a fact all the defensive guys are on the same group chat. I know all the same offensive linemen are on, on, on a group chat. Um, and so I think they talk to each other you know, weekly, daily. And when the decommitment started, Prince you know, said – you know, they all kind of got together and was like, you know, if you're going to decommit, just go ahead and do it. Get it over with. And, like, we'll just go from here. And he's just a really mature young man. He's gone through a lot. I can't wait to write kind of the, the full-length story on, on his life. Um, and, yeah, he's he's going to be a good one. Let's assume he gets to campus. Yes. 
Let's assume pretty he's, pretty stern. Let's assume he's on the roster in twenty twenty. Is he playing and does he have an impact as a freshman? You know, a la, uh, you know the way we saw Joseph Osai make a splash at the end of the uh, twenty eighteen season. Yeah, I, I think Joseph Osai is kind of the archetype for for Prince Dorba, an undersized defensive end that Texas plans to to change into a B backer. The thing that gives me hope for jo, uh, for Prince Dorba to play as a true freshman is we've seen Joseph Osai kind of gravitate towards the middle. You know, he's kind of been playing Rover or Mac uh, for the Longhorns this year. And I mean, unless they get something in the transfer market market that's better, it seems like he's going to be a middle linebacker next year, one of the two middle linebackers. So they're going to need somebody at B backer to create pressure. That's been an issue for Texas this year. And that's what Prince Dorba does the best. So he comes in with a skill set that may not, be ready to play three downs and 80 snaps a game. But if you choose the right 15, he can make an impact. And we saw Texas do that with Osai kind of late in his freshman year. You know, Texas is a talent-rich state. And a lot of these top-rated recruits are staying in state, whether they're you know, going to A&M, whether they're going to Texas. You know, Baylor every once in a while gets a couple. You know, those four or five-star kids, TCU is, you know, they, they've done a decent job recruiting with Gary Patterson. None of these teams are going to contend for a national title this year. I don't care where Baylor ends up in the final college football rankings. Um, why aren't these Texas schools competing for titles, even though they're getting a lot of this talent to stay in the state? You know, I some of it, I believe, is coaching. If you look around at the big programs in the state, Gary Patterson is the only one that's been around for any period of significant time. And then it's a huge drop-off after Gary Patterson in terms of tenure if we're looking at the P5 schools. And so, you know, as, as fans and as alumni and as schools, I feel like we overact to both sides too often. Right? A coach is bad in year two, we fire him. Coach is great in year two, we give him an extension. And there is a middle ground there. And I just, I, I think that we haven't seen a coach be at Texas or Texas A&M, and those are the two schools that recruit the best usually because they have the most money and the best facilities. We haven't seen a coach probably since Mac Brown, R.C. Slocum, really being been given the time to just develop the Texas talent, really build those pipelines and keep those guys in state. And the world's getting smaller with Twitter, social media, cheaper flights, all that kind of stuff. It's not as hard to go out of state, but Texas is still Texas. And you know, and that's always going to play with the kids inside of Texas. And if they can just win, you know, it all falls into place pretty e- easily for, for the big programs in the state. Because like you said, I mean, there's 100 kids in the state that you can sign. And so you just got to find 20 of them. Interesting situation. I guess we'll just have to stay tuned to see if these Texas schools get back on that national radar. Although I guess tech, uh, Baylor is currently a te- uh, top 10 team. All right, time for our rate. Recruiting Spotlight. Every week we are going to introduce you to a future Longhorn who won't be playing football at Texas. This week we're shining a spotlight on future Texas soccer player Morgan Pace. Morgan was one of seven players who signed with Texas earlier this month. Uh, Morgan is a defender from Duncanville High School. She no longer plays uh, soccer for Duncanville, but she was an all-district honoree as a sophomore. She does play for the Solar Soccer Club, and she's one of four 2020 signees for the Longhorns who play for that soccer club. I act I asked Derek uh, Massimo, her coach on the Solar Soccer Club and the father of current UT midfielder Ga- Gabriella Massimo, to describe Morgan in one word, and he chose athletic. 
Why? Quote, she is extremely athletic with great size that is excellent in the air, especially on set pieces, both offensive and defensive, end quote. Coach Massimo also said that Morgan has a championship pedigree and she helped her team win national titles in 2016 and 2019. So a lot of winning and gold medals in the Morgan's past. We'll see if that translates to translates to Texas. Morgan is the daughter of Allen and Chara Pace. Her father played football at Baylor, and her mother ran track for the Bears. Baylor may have, made, may have beaten Texas in football last week, but Morgan has the family bragging rights and the sports that matter. Why? Texas beat Baylor 2-1 to in soccer early, earlier this season. So, uh, you know, the football, you know, Allen can uh, boast about uh, football, but his daughter, she's got, she's got the soccer, and I think this family is a soccer family right now. Well, Texas is a soccer and volleyball school. Well, volleyball, the soccer, soccer struggled a little bit. They're, oh, okay. they're, they're, they're waiting for this talent to come in, uh, this uh, recruiting class. That it's decided. interesting that we don't hear as much about, like, the bad news in volleyball as we do in basketball in terms of just quitting your, you know, like a soccer player doesn't even play for their high school, plays for a club team. If that happened with, like, high-level basketball players, we would, we would be writing story after story. It is interesting, just kind of how the you know cultures, the club cultures. Um, yeah, soccer is just different. Soccer is different. You know, AAU is even though it's important, is still kind of you know frowned upon a lot in high school basketball. Um, whereas you know, soccer, you know, whatever, it's not AAU soccer, but club soccer is where where it's at, and it's not a surprise if a player decides to go you know play full time for their soccer club because you know a lot of the time that's where the yeah. that's where the really good coaching is and the good yeah. facilities and, and talent disparity yeah. is probably huge oh yeah that is, that is very much true uh it's kind of head towards the home stretch because you know i gotta go eat my thanksgiving dinner mike where are you going this weekend i'm going to waco i'm gonna go see jake majors and prosper take on the woodlands the woodlands has a slot receiver in 2021 named theodore knox who's pretty good and then I have to cover, like you, the Texas game on Friday to do the Facebook Live on our Hook'em on our Hook'em page. We're averaging 11.5 thousand views on those videos. Not to brag, but you should come join us and listen, folks. I don't know if we're gonna. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I'm gonna be interested to see what the numbers are, both on Facebook <laughs> and at the actual stadium on Friday for a six and five versus four and seven team on Black Friday when people are. Come rather toast, be shopping turkey, or turkey, turkey toast, eating leftovers. But you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if these. Uh, we'll, we'll see if Matthew McConaughey shows up, since he's apparently the greatest fan in the world. And I say this that, will be a good test. I say that very sarcastically. Uh, speaking of that Texas Texas Tech game, uh, t- the line is Texas by nine and a half. You're a gambling guy. What do you think of that line? Are you staying away? Are you jumping all over it? What do you think about it? I will not lose any more money on Texas as a favorite this football season. So I'm taking Texas Tech to cover, not to win. But to keep it, you know, within single digits. Fair enough. Uh, every week, if you want to ask us a question to have answered in our mailbag segment of the podcast, uh, hunt us down on Twitter. I'm AS Danny. Mike is at Craven Mike. Bevo Beat on Facebook, which Mike just alluded to. Uh, Bevo Beat on Instagram. We're on Instagram too. Follow us there. Um, our photographers do a great job, and we share a lot of their work on that platform. So ask us a question there. First question comes from my guy, my guy Tom Halleck. He asks on Twitter. All three of these teams have home games this weekend. Who's more likely to ruin your Thanksgiving? The Longhorns, who have Tech on Friday. The uh, Houston Texans, who have the New England Patriots on Sunday nights. And the Dallas Cowboys, who as always play on Thanksgiving, and they have the Bills uh, at uh, 3.30 on Thursday. So who, who are you picking? Who's going to ruin your, your Thanksgiving, Mike? 
I have to reveal something about myself. Oh, boy. I don't know if there's ever been a sporting event in the history of sporting events that has ruined anything more than my hour. You know? I just... This idea is foreign to me. So I'm fine. Losses don't... uh, They don't linger for you? I don't lose. I'm not on the team, you know? So, like, I I have a hard time getting... Maybe it's because it's what I do for a living. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, things happen. You don't, you don't win all the time. I'm just gonna keep eating turkey. Uh, it's not like I'm not. I guess I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm not gonna. It's not gonna ruin my day. I mean, they're the Cowboys. They lose all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I have most ties with my fantasy football team to the Texans. So if they, there you go. If they have that a, would have been the real question. If they have a stinker on uh, on on Sunday night, that could, I think uh, most that people care more game. about their fantasy football team than their favorite football team. Yeah, plus I'm a Browns fan, so I'm used to having my uh, <laughs> yeah. weeks ruined by uh, whatever the Browns are doing. Uh, moving on, uh, Mike Roberson asked on Facebook, "When are we going to recruit numerous high-level offensive and defensive linemen?" And then he said, "In all caps, controlling both sides of the line of scrimmage is imperative." I didn't want to scream that, but it was in all caps. Uh, Mike, how are, how are how's the recruiting going on in the trenches? Uh, recruiting is going great in the trenches. It usually does, though. I, I don't think it's about recruiting. It's about developing. I mean, Texas gets the talent on campus. It's about figuring out how to get that talent to uh, you know, be at all-conference level in, in two or three years after development. As soon as Texas figures that out, I think that will that'll help as much as you know going and finding the recruits. But also, you know, this is a passing state now. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the big boys that we... The 2020 class, 2021 class is a little different. It, it's stacked with offensive linemen. But I would argue that Texas does not uh, create those defensive line monsters and offensive line monsters that the Southeast does. And, and that's been a, a big part of why Texas schools, not just Texas, have a hard time competing. Or Big 12 schools in general have a hard time competing in the Southeast conferences. I just, I just think those guys still play high school football in a way that's more physical than we do. Justin Pittman asks on Facebook, excuse me, um, I just want to know why Tim Beck? An honest question. I mean, the quarterbacks have been, I mean, if you take away the last two weeks, I think quarterbacks probably been the best position on the team since Tom Herman's got here. I don't understand. Does Tim Beck call plays? Yeah, that's, I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, Tim he, Beck, from what I, I mean, you can probably answer this question better, is a good recruiter. Yeah, his quarterbacks are doing just just fine. Just fine. Um, He's got two yeah. really good ones recruited and committed to right now. You're recruiting quarterbacks well. Casey Thompson is you know doing what Casey Thompson is, and Sam, you know, you could say you'd be a little disappointed this season that he's not a Heisman Trophy contender. But you know, Sam is not the problem on this team. Um, you know, if you want to take issue with the fact that you know Tom Herman apparently doesn't trust him enough to make him the sole play caller, I mean that could be a potential issue. But you know, I think that's more on. Tom, that is Tim Beck, and I know Tim Beck's an easy scapegoat because he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, but um, I mean, I think there are more issues on this team than what Tim Beck is doing. But yeah, this is like the Greg Davis thing. Yeah, that's not a you know that's it's not an easy answer. I mean, it's not like I said, Tim Beck's the easy target, but it's deeper than that. And yeah, if your argument is Texas needs to hire somebody to completely take over the offense, sure. But you have a head coach who is an offensive guy, and it's hard to imagine that he's going to let somebody have complete autonomy on offense. It's always going to have his fingerprints on it because at the end of the day, he's the one with the most money on the line if it doesn't work. So this is how it's going to be. 
you know, that'll be interesting. We talked to um, Tim Beck on Tuesday, and you know, his message was, "I think I've done a good job." And you know, it's hard to kind of argue yeah. with a lot of his results for what his job description is at the moment. He's doing as much as he can be doing. At Fletch Whiteley, our buddy asks on um, Twitter, "Is Thanksgiving the only meal where side dishes are the stars of the meal?" Listen, this is a great question. When I read this question, it's fantastic. I I can't think. I've been thinking about this for about twelve hours now because I don't sleep. So, yeah, for me, Thanksgiving because I'm not. You know, I don't crave turkey. You know, mm-hmm. like if I wanted a bunch of tur- turkey i'd eat it for the rest of the year but i don't so yeah i the sides the mac and cheese and the yams and Ugh. i mean d- them touching each other just Ugh. it's uh that is that is what it's about dessert as well but yeah i can't think of another meal i eat where like the actual protein is an afterthought it's better as leftover sandwich than it is uh, i may just go side plate tomorrow because of this question I don't think I'm going to go full slide side plate because I I like uh you know some cranberries with my turkey. Ah, I can't yeah. have I can't have that without the turkey, but right. yeah, the turkey is definitely the thing that's kind of in the top left corner of my mm-hmm. plate. Right. We'll have some candied yams, we'll have definitely the mac and cheese, cranberries like I said. I'm not a big stuffing/dressing fan, but you know there'll definitely be some of that on the plate too. I I do. I put it all see I I think my favorite part of Thanksgiving is the the gravy. Gravy's always so you just put that on pretty much everything, and then even mac and cheese. It 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 doesn't matter with gravy. It doesn't doesn't it doesn't matter. It's just juice and green bean casserole. That's what I was about to say. This is my vegetables. This is my controversial take. I think green bean casserole may be pound for pound the best side dish on Thanksgiving. I mean, it's got everything for you. I don't know if that's controversial. Probably not the first pick in the. First pick of my draft, but you know it's definitely it's it's definitely going on my plate. It's good, man. For something kind of healthy, I mean, it's got green beans in it. And I, you know me, I'm not that healthy of a person, but green bean casserole, man, that stuff's good. And then I'm excited. I love things. Thanksgiving is the best month. This or is a, the best holiday. This is a controversial take in what is my family now. Um, but you know, growing up, my family was always a big pumpkin pie family. Mm-hmm. It's what I grew up with. It's what I've always been a fan of. Yep. My wife's family, they're from the South. They oh, did not yeah. grow up with pumpkin pie. Right. And so, like, I'm the only one in my, that currently eats pumpkin pie, and it's always a big deal every year because my mother-in-law goes to the trouble of finding a pumpkin pie f- just for me. I'm the only person who eats it. Right. But So I, you have to, like, really eat it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be eating it all, I'll be eating it all <laughs> week because you know, I'll be the only person who eats it on Thursday. Then we'll take it home. It'll sit in the fridge, and I'll yeah. munch on it for, you know, the next week or so. But that, That's also I, my, I can't my go-to pie. I'll get some you know, pumpkin cream pie on there. Cool whip. I am... I am good to go. Yep. Anyway, enough about Thanksgiving. I'm I gotta hungry go. Now. I gotta go eat. But uh, <laughs> don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today, or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. We will see you next week. Gobble gobble. Peace.